G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It says in the book of Daniel, many will run to and fro and knowledge will increase. With so much going on in the world, it's hard sometimes to look up and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Today we welcome Paul Ryan. He's the Centre Director of LL Ministries Australia to talk about fear and how we can overcome it. Paul, welcome to 2020. Yes, thank you, Janine, and uh, hello to all the 2020 uh, listeners. Now, it's true that God created fear. He created He created emotions, but it can be distorted. Tell us the difference between godly and ungodly fear. Yeah, great question. Um, first of all, I think we'd probably best describe fear in its God-given sense as a form of, of warning, uh, if you like, a, of godly warning. So, so, for example, if you held me out over a balcony by my ankles and, and shook me, uh, you would see me manifest fear in a very godly way, wanting to get back over that balcony. So fear in its original design is to try to get us back into a place of protection. You know, when, when you start to feel frightened, something's not right. And you know, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. Uh, if a car comes around a corner, you want to try to jump back so you don't get struck by the vehicle. If you're in a paddock, when a bull's charging, you want to get out of that paddock pretty quick. It's amazing how uh, the body works to provide adrenaline to get us to move far quicker than we normally would have. All those aspects of fear are good and godly to get us back under protection. I think the real issue is is when fear becomes ungodly. Say, for example, in the instance I just gave where uh, the balcony incident, if that was something that was ever done to me and it kind of really traumatised me, I might start moving to a place of fear where I don't want to go near a balcony out of fear that someone could suddenly grab me and hold me over the balcony again or or if I've been nearly struck on the curb of a corner because a car went past, rather than you know be thankful that God protected me in that moment, I might now think, well, I don't really want to go anywhere near a sidewalk out of fear I get struck by a car. And that's one of the major issues with fear. It's often progressive. What starts out as something small, it grows. So the key difference between ungodly fear and godly fear is godly fear is meant to get us back under protection to a place of safety. Ungodly fear is when it grips us and it starts to control us. Paul, that, that makes sense to me. So what are the specific areas of fear, would you say? I think some of the things like, say, fear of man. If I give you a specific scripture uh, where it says in Proverbs twenty nine twenty five that uh, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but those who trust in the Lord will be kept safe. So fear of man really is like fear of rejection, uh, fear of failure, uh, fear of not being good enough. And most of those come under the banner of trying to work out what it is that other people think of us. So in other words, if I'm coming under fear of man with regards to my relationship with you, your opinion of me becomes more important than God's opinion of me. And so in that moment, I've come under fear of man. I'm no longer trusting God uh, and I'm no longer feeling safe. I have to perform in order to get your love and approval. So that's, that's a big one I find a lot of people that uh, come to LL Ministries get trapped in. Uh, other areas you know, might include, uh, say, fear of abandonment, all sorts of issues through our childhood experience that can come and impact us. All sorts of accidents and traumas can trigger fears. Uh, a lot of people suffer from phobias. Uh, phobia, by the way, in the Greek just means, the Greek word phobos means a slavish fear. 
So, for example, if someone has a fear of water or a fear of flying or a fear of you know, dentists or a fear of driving or a fear of heights, all those kind of phobias, although interestingly, all of those actually come back to one common thing, and it's actually a fear of dying. And someone says to me, Paul, I'm terrified of flying. I go, no, you're not. You're actually terrified of flying, crashing and dying. <laughs> well, no, Paul, you don't understand. I'm frightened of snakes. That's different. Well, no, you're frightened of getting bitten by a snake and dying. Well, Paul, I'm frightened of water. No, you're frightened of entering into water and going under the water and drowning and dying. So uh, they're kind of key areas of fear. I think um, some other things that uh, often come, things like obsessions uh, and kind of uh, those sort of areas where we find ourselves doing patterns of things in order to try to feel safe. So those sort of OCD types of things. So there's a general type of areas of fear that we often come across. Um, and then, then you could ask questions about what are the source of those fears. And sometimes those sources of fears actually involve things that have come down through generational patterns or there might be specific incidents or accidents that have occurred or things that have occurred in the womb or childhood experiences that we carry into adulthood that have never really been resolved and the patterns we've built around that. So, um, yeah, uh, but when, when you start talking fears, uh, the list is endless. Mm. Can you give us some testimonies, Paul, of people who have been set free from fear? Yeah, absolutely. Um, some probably simple ones. I mean, they sound simple once you've been free from them, but like one particular lady came in and she was um, had a horrendous phobia of frogs. Uh, she lived in North Queensland and green tree frogs were just, she was terrified of them. Uh, but there's always a story behind why. And this particular lady, uh, when she was a young girl, had been locked in a bathroom by her older brothers and uh, they basically switched the lights off uh, and these frogs were on the wall trying to get insects suddenly started jumping around all over the place looking for a different light source and they landed on her and so from the age of about I think from memory she was about four or five at the time uh, for the rest of her days till she arrived here at uh, LL Ministries in her early 40s she was terrified of frogs well we went back and worked through some stuff with her obviously it was the trauma of the frogs landing on her in the dark as a little girl quite frightening for her um, but the key thing was she actually had some brothers that were behind that. She needed to forgive them, so a really key kingdom principle is having to forgive. And also she felt particularly let down by her mother who wasn't protecting her from her brothers, so there was areas of forgiveness there. She was very angry at what had happened and all that kind of had to be expressed in a rightful way, in a godly way. And, and, and ultimately once she was prayed for and all of that stuff was prayed through with her, uh, the kind of the, the, the oppression she was under there in regards to fear lifted once all that was dealt with. And interestingly enough, and we've never seen it again since, I have to say, it was quite a miracle in itself. We found a green tree frog on our property here south of Sydney, and I don't think I've ever seen one before or since, but someone found one in the garden, and we brought it to her, and she was able to hold it for the first time. So that was, that was pretty amazing, really, and, uh, and, a, and a simple example of just one area. And I guess that's how we do rebuild from those fears in a godly way. Yes. Yeah, oftentimes people only get focused on the fear itself, but they don't go back to look at, well, how did I get trapped in this fear and what were the circumstances surrounding that at which perhaps I've given rights over to the enemy to hold me bound in that or ways in which I've responded that's created patterns that I might need to address that maybe Jesus is not really at the centre of. And so when we start to examine that and ask Jesus to show us what those other areas are, it's amazing what comes back to someone's memory. Uh, the way Holy Spirit might start to reveal things that they've not thought of for years that's actually quite crucial to their restoration.
We are speaking with Paul Ryan from LL Ministries Australia. We are going to come back soon to talk about the ministry's first testimony as LL Ministries celebrates 20 years in Australia. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Welcome back to 2020. We are speaking with Paul Ryan from LL Ministries Australia and we've been talking about overcoming fear. Now, Paul, yesterday we had a chat with Linda Scott and she was LL's first testimony. Tell us about that. Yeah, an amazing story. Linda, wasn't it... Um Back in 1996, Ellen Ministries had sent uh, some core folk from the UK out because uh, Ellen Ministries was birthed in the UK. And uh, uh, and just for our listeners, if you don't mind me saying, the, the name LL, uh, for those who are wondering, it's spelled E-L-L-E-L. It, there's no great mystery to it. It's actually the name of a village in the uh, northwest of England in, uh, in Lancashire where the ministry was first originated from. But it also happens to carry some nice meanings in that uh, uh, LL actually means all hail in old English, uh, LL in Hebrew means towards God. And interestingly enough, in uh, ancient Cantonese, it means love flowing outward. And so all sort of God-given names, really, that uh, we've quite valued and appreciated. But uh, when the ministry first visited from the UK to Australia in 1996, there was a conference held uh, with a lot of uh, medicos. It was through Healthcare in Christ, uh, an excellent Christian ministry that brought people from LL Ministries in the UK out for the very first time. And uh, during that time, they were teaching on accident and trauma, and that invited different people to put forward their names who might be prepared to be prayed for out front. And uh, Linda put a name forward, and it was quite a, uh, an amazing story of how they prayed for and ministered to her in front of all these um, doctors, physicians, psychiatrists, psychologists, and they witnessed God do an amazing thing uh, on stage in front of them over a period of about two hours. Incredible uh, testimony of the way God healed her publicly, if you like. And I understand in her book, she actually says that, you know, during that time of ministry, she lay on the ground going back to that moment of falling down a ravine and in the Blue Mountains and, and her body started contorting in ways that um, could never be humanly possible unaided. So uh, even her book is listed with all these amazing testimonies of doctors saying, if I wasn't there, I would never believe it. And then as a result, the ministry has been birthed from that. Can you share a little bit about the wounds and blockages as in Linda's case, there was wounds and blockages that pre- prevents intimacy with others and even our intimacy with God and even even our healing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can share something of that. Uh, in her own testimony, uh, first of all, she was um, really quite uh, angry and upset, you can understand, at the people who led her on the walk into the Blue Mountains and the lack of protection because my understanding is it was a nighttime walk and they're walking very close to a major cliff and uh, the accident occurred through uh, areas of, of, of negligence, I guess, really, to, to put it bluntly. And so uh, that fall had her in a place where she was trapped there for hours. Then there was medical intervention, some of it, you know, uh, good, some of it perhaps not as helpful as it could have been. So there were areas in the medical profession that she felt she was angry and hurt by. Uh, there was all sorts of issues in her own heart about wrong beliefs, not trusting God or believing God would come through for her and, and you know, a real sort of uh, disparity between her and life. She, she was quite depressed, suicidal, never believed she could be married, have any children. And uh, all of this weighed on her in, in her depression. And I guess she had to work through a lot of stuff on that. Uh, it wasn't just, you know, kind of someone laying hands on her on stage. A lot of that time where she was being prayed for publicly was dealing with going back and looking at where her heart was at even before she went on the walk, looking at what had, had, had taken place in terms of in her heart as to how she was holding unforgiveness and anger towards those who had failed her on that walk. 
um, and having to forgive those people and work through those issues. In many ways, I guess you could say, sort of taking away all the legal rights that the enemy might have had to hold her bound into the, all this, the consequences of that fall. So the medical profession have done an amazing job. You wouldn't want to be without them, would you? Well, they've done an amazing job in healing her physically. But I guess the, uh, the psychosomatic, uh, uh, what should we say, the psychosomatic symptoms that were still there, she still had all these ailments that no one could really explain or point to. And I guess as that was ministered into, all those core areas that surrounded, not just the fall itself, but what was going on in her heart, uh, were keys to unlocking freedom for her. And amazingly, part of her story is she had qualified for a full-time pension, disability pension. And the amazing story of her walking back in after she'd been healed, she felt as a, as a point of integrity, she had to go in and say to the government, look, I can no longer, you know, uh, with integrity, continue to receive this pension because I'm able to go back to work as a nurse now. I want to be able to go back and contribute to society. I need to end this. And they looked at her sort of stunned because they said no one has ever walked in and asked to have their permanent disability pension stopped. They had to create a new form for her to fill in to do it. So amazing story of uh, her dealing with the core issues that surrounded what was going on, on in her heart, not just dealing with the issues of uh, woundedness in her body, but what was going on in her spirit and in her soul that Jesus needed to minister to. Uh, amazing story. And as you say, the enemy can be a legalist and keep us trapped in our, um, in our brokenness if, if we don't understand those keys. Yeah, look, a lot of truth in that. I mean, even if I just bring my own story, areas of, uh, uh, as a pastor of a church uh, and trying to grow that church, there was a lot of things that I had uh, stopped and walked away from, was no longer sinning in from my life before I became a believer. But I still found that the, some of the keys to this ministry was highlighting areas that were holding me back, blockages and character issues I was struggling with in addictions and fears and other areas that I'd never linked back to areas of sin in the past that I needed to be set free from. So you're absolutely right, Janine. Those areas can often hold us back. The biggest issue every saint faces is the wounds and blockages that prevent intimacy and trust with, with Father God. Why, why can we not break through, I guess, with intimacy with God? I think one of the most common things I see with a lot of people coming to LL Ministries is that uh, whenever things go pear-shaped in life, often the very first thing we do is we blame God. It's like if, if a disaster comes, well, why did God allow that to occur? So it brings up the whole sovereignty issue of God. But I think for a lot of people, we forget that there is a, a father of lies, whose name is Satan, who can't contend with a holy God. But because uh, part of his character is deception and he wants to destroy us, he doesn't like us. We're made in the image of God. Anyone who bears the image of God, he, he's not too keen on. If he can get us to um, not trust the Heavenly Father, to not trust a holy God who loves us, by getting us to believe lies that God is not for us, that he's against us, that uh, he won't come through for us, that we don't have value to him, that he doesn't really like us, or we have to perform in order to be loved by him. Whatever the specific lie might be, uh, there's often wounds behind that that have caused it. There are areas of spiritual cover over our lives when we were growing up where people have failed us, and somehow those authority figures, when they failed us, we've projected on to our holy God, our Heavenly Father, the same sort of attributes that we've attributed to those who failed us. And the enemy loves to capitalize on that. And when we start to do that with God and not think he's going to, or should I say perhaps that he's going to be like those authority figures who failed us in the past, that he'll do exactly the same to us today, that he can't be trusted, then we kind of cut ourselves off from the only source of grace and power to be able to set us free 
or to take us on a journey to be healed, to discover what our true destiny is in him. And it becomes a very difficult walk in Christianity when we hold to those specific areas. So when we get to the bottom of what the wounds and the character blockages are, that prevent intimacy with a holy God. Often we're going back into people's stories and hearing what it is that's stopping them from going forward today. Now, so if people want to know more about LL, I understand you have LL Ministries in Sydney and Perth and even some work starting in Melbourne now. Uh, How do they get to know more about your ministry? I think the first thing I would want to do is push people to our website, which is www.ll.org.au, and LL is spelt E-L-L-E-L, Uh, And uh, if I was to push one thing, I'd love to talk about our six-day school coming up in August, the 22nd to the 27th of August. That would give a really good snapshot over six days from Monday uh, through to Saturday, a very sort of condensed, intense uh, bracket of teaching with a lot of practical. We don't just talk about, say, for example, inner healing and emotional wholeness or what deliverance might look like biblically and how that's meant to be applied, but we'd have workshops that would go into that. We look at areas of the Father heart of God or acceptance and belonging, areas of fear or accident, trauma, etc., some of the stuff we've touched on today, and then have practical workshops on what does that look like now after we've heard the, the biblical theology of it, uh, how do we apply that to someone's life? We've been speaking with Paul Ryan from LL Ministries Australia. Paul, thank you for joining us on 2020. Such a privilege. Thank you, Janine. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.